All right. So things are rolling, although I have to plug my headphones in. Hold on. Things are happening. Okay. Now it should be Vin to come on there. Um, so I was asking earlier, uh, did everybody have uh, an easy time logging in? I changed a few of the steps just to make things a little bit more uh, – should be a little bit easier and generally speaking a little bit less confusing. I still have to get rid of that page where it's like, I still want to get rid of it where it's like, are you a member or not a member? And, uh, you know, like people just got to log in, you know. Ben is typing very loudly in my ear right now. Um, they have this thing, Ben, it's called the mute button. Sometimes you just got to bang it out, you know. That's true. You're not wrong about that. So uh, welcome. We're going to talk a little bit about essential bagpipe stuff that you got to know today. Um, we're going to do that. Um, first of all, though, a couple of announcements. Um, we um, one of the things which you would you would not know by looking at the site, uh, but I've recently redone all of the free classes that we offer at Dojo U. They're totally redone and they're totally cool. Way more interactive. And uh, it's actually HD video now instead of um, old Dojo U classes. Um, so if you head to dojouniversity.com, um, I would be honored if you guys had the time to go check out the new free classes and um, you know offer any feedback and get. We have like a new comments section underneath each of the free videos. Like if you'd go check those out and write some nice stuff um, in the comments for other folks to see. That would be really cool if you have um, any time um, this week to check into that. Um, and we're pretty excited about it. It's really, really cool. It's, it just helps people get uh, a nice sneak peek of what we're all about here at the dojo. So that's announcement number one. Um, announcement number two, which is kind of cool, is um, we've got a new website coming out for the product side of things. Cool. Um, and I was I was showing that to, or I was showing a, an image earlier at my class this morning. Which one do I think it is? Yeah, here it is. Here's like a screenshot of the homepage, um, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be really cool. And one of the great things about the new website is it's uh, flexible for all different devices. So if you want to shop on your iPad or your iPhone. It like it it changes and it fits and it's really cool. Um, so we're we're finishing the testing process of that and you should see that launched here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we're super excited about it and um, super powerful. It should be a one of the last. It should hopefully be the last platform change we have to make. It's actually the third. <laughs> it's the third website that we've had. Um, uh, changes. You always gotta everything. Everything changes before you. Before you just when you're satisfied with what you have, the web changes styles. What is whether it's design or coding or any some stupid thing. You gotta change yeah. everything. Exactly. Well, this is a platform that's that's powerful and big enough and open source enough that um, you know uh, we shouldn't have to change the platform. We might have to change the, the way that it looks, you know, over time or the way that it integrates with other things, but. 
besides that, um, should be good. So we're super stoked. That should be up by October 1st, as, lo as long as we don't run into any major complications. Got to so, uh, order those reads when you're on your phone, sitting on the train. You got to be able to like scroll there and just, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, After think about. I can't thing really, you know, I, I can't really name a good place to buy supplies from your mobile device. Like, I, maybe they exist. I don't know. We haven't found too many of them. Uh, what are the little circles for? Uh, not sure. What, oh. Gary, uh, those are, that's actually a sliding, it's like a sliding um, like slide a slide bar thing. Yeah. yeah, so there are that's four cool, four very cool um, pictures that, um, that rotate by, um, and so you could click those little circles to see a different picture. I'm pretty sure Carl could confirm for me, but I'm pretty sure it all, it all goes to the same link, so it's mostly just for looking nice. Um, I don't know, though. Nice. Carl ignoring us? Carl might Is that get $50 off your first order box going to be there when it launches on October 1st? Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great deal. By the way, if folks don't know about that, uh, we, we offer up to $50 off your first order. Um, that's the tagline. It's like you get $10 off any order above 50 or something like that and then 25 off anything over 200 and then or something like that I don't know I forget the exact specs um, awesome deal nonetheless yeah uh, days generally are page markers uh, not sure oh yeah uh, you're probably referring to those circles so anyway we're pretty stoked about that that'll be a pretty fun addition to the family. And the four free classes, I mean, a lot of you have been through the previous four free classes, and those are um, now completely off, thank God. It was so hard. Like, you would get to, like, uh, you would get to a certain stage, and they would ask for, like, this little password thing, and the password would not really work, and I can't imagine how annoying that must have been. So, so do check, check those out, and we will... Uh, see you in there. I t we taught um, all new HD free classes. Um, before I totally finish talking about that, I would say that the first class is absolutely must-see. It's brand new, um, and we talk about it a lot inside Dojo U, but it's called How to Learn a Tune Twice as Fast, Twice as Well, which is like really, really cool. Really excited about it. Uh, then we redo uh, Draw and Read Calibration in the high def studio. That's one of the classes. Um, and then the third class is metronome magnification tricks, which uh, we've actually we've actually talked about that in the past, even on this show, but it's redone uh, in, in class form. And then the last class, which is the biggest bag of tricks, is uh, the automatic improvement generator. <laughs> Class. And, wow, um, so I just sort of plug in and then watch and then magically I improve? Is that how uh, it works? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, you'll, have to, you'll have to watch that class to find out. Oh, boy. Uh, but check, check it out. Watch the videos. It's cool and it's interactive. Like there's, there's survey questions for you to get to know us. And anyway, if, it looks, if I look even more haggard and overweight than usual, it's because 
uh, Carl and I have just been sitting in front of computers since the world's uh, finishing this stuff up. So, so there you go. Okay, so let's get to the stuff. Let's get to the stuff. So here's what's on the list for today that we have to cover. First one, tying gilly laces. That's, that's the first one everybody needs to know, but uh, maybe never really gets taught how to do. And there are different ways to do it. That's part of it, too. Tying gilly laces uh, properly or picking the right size pipe bag. That's a big one. Now, uh, other than that, I didn't have anything major planned, but we have some great stuff here. So, um, well, yeah, just how to, how to cradle the pipes when you're standing around. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, how to cradle. <laughs> so as not to look dorky. Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's, of course, very subjective and opinionated. Uh, I think, I don't think it matters what I do. I always look dorky. Uh, but there it is. <laughs> Uh, Gary says people have differing tempos. Yeah, like we'll we'll talk tempos a little bit. I don't want to get too much into that. That's a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit too in depth. But John's uh, got a good one. Uh, how to attach drone cords? That's one that never really gets taught. You sort of oh, figure that out um, on your own. Um, the uh, best way to do that. So it's yeah, let's be, you know. Yeah, strike-ins. We can talk a little bit about strike-ins, but again, I don't want to get too teachy teachy today. We're just going to have, talk it through some fun stuff. Uh, Brian, uh, how, psycho, psychology. How am I doing here? Psy PSY. <laughs> PSY. Psychology of beginning the pipes. We can talk a little bit about that. That sounds good. That's a, that was Brian's thing. How to practice effectively. Uh, Stuart, we're not going to cover that today because everyone should go check out the new free classes because we talk about practicing effectively and we talk about how to um, tackle tunes in a way smarter way. So um, Stu Stuart, um, you just bad luck there today for that one. <laughs> uh, let's see. How do we start a tune in unison? Uh, we could talk a little bit about that. We'll cover that when we do strike-ins. Basic care of the pipes. Um, we'll do that. We'll do that up yeah. here. Well, John mentioned earlier, so he's surprised by how many people don't know how to care for pipes properly, even experienced players. And that's a good point because it's true. <laughs> and uh, but specifically, what you're talking about, it's important, you know, because there's lots of different things you're doing when you're caring for pipes, and some people know some of them, some people don't know any, you know, that kind of thing. So it's important to sort of specify because I mean, we could be here for two shows talking just about that probably. Okay. Uh, installation of water trap, John, is a little bit hard because there are different kinds. Do you, uh, do you have a specific kind of water trap you want to know about? Um, we can talk a little bit if we have time about tuning pins and hemping. John's playing 12-inch blowpipe. Wow. Whoa. How tall are you, John? Be seven feet tall? Yeah, let's, uh, you better be seven <laughs> feet or else your blowpipe's too long. Um, but that's cool, uh, the seven-foot piper. Sounds like a tune name. <laughs> well, he's a guy like that guy in the stilts who walks around Glasgow Green, the world's name. 
Yeah. By the way, um, I do not want to start a debate about this uh, at all, so please don't start debating this. But um, the whole Scottish independence thing, is that going down soon? Tomorrow. They vote tomorrow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, it is crazy. And it's a toss-up, which is kind of wild. It's like, you know, you would never think that something like this would just would be something you'd even have to think about. But it's apparently it's completely a toss-up. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, that's, that's crazy. Uh, again, uh, I, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's wild. It's 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 it's. it's yeah. I, I love things that like disrupt the status quo. You know, in a way that completely defies the predictions of experts. You know, I love that crap. Okay. It's so like, it's no matter which six, way it goes. Uh, okay. Simple tube trap. All right, John. We we can talk about that if we get around to it. Water trap install. Okay. Let's get started. Ah, uh, who's got? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Carl wants to be on the show today because he's like got a lot of work to do. But I think we're going to need you, man. Are you out there? Come out here. Don't throw me under the bus without asking first. All right. <laughs> well, in that case, turn on that camera and um, let's ch check out those gillies I just put on the table. Oh, they're all the way out there. Yeah, hang on. Okay. All right. We have to take a little field trip. All right. Andrew strategically placed Gilly's nowhere near where he was, so that I would do this. <laughs> I'm the host. I'm the host. My hands are tied. All right. So I'm rocking a Highland Gear t-shirt today, too. Pretty good. Um, so tying Gilly's, there's several ways. Um, my, I'll, I'll give you my personal favorite, and that's once your foot's in, I tied like the normal knot here like a normal step to the uh, first first bit but uh, then i go through again <laughs> he's got the sort of little wrappy knot yeah, yeah yeah um and i like that um to kind of hold it and then i go around in the back this is kind of hard to see let's see maybe i can use this as a as a prop <laughs> i go around the back and use three twists in the back, one, two, and three, and that's three half twists, so you can see that. So it kind of looks like that in the back, and I come around the front, and you tie a normal knot here. One of the things that's definitely true, here's one of the big things about ghillie laces is, it's going to change depending on how long your laces are. That's yeah. what I find. Because I just got a new pair of ghillies finally after many years, and I had to change the way I did it. Here, Carl, don't go anywhere. I want to show you my way. Well, I could also show you the other way that I do. But... I like that. That way's fine. Here's what I do. Can people hear me through his microphone? I can hear him. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. You can hear me? All right. Here's what yeah. I do. I do... I just twist it once like this. Uh. I twist it once like that. I twist it once in the back. And then I bring it around. And I tie it off to the side. Yeah, I do the side as well. I do like, I, I do, do it about, you know, what would you call it? Like two o'clock. It's, it's all like in line with the center of your hose. Yeah, uh, ten and two. And, yeah. Um, so I... 
I like this. I just personally that when it that's cuts good. it cuts into the back of my my uh, leg like that with just one in the back. Yeah. That's why I like three. See, I try I tried the little twisty thing in the back, Carl, like you did, and and for a while, and because I always I don't do the, the the horizontal twist. I do the vertical twist of maybe three or four reps, and then right. around the back, and, and once. So that's like this one, two, three. Do the three in the front. Yeah, three in the front. You can see it better that way. I tried, I tried doing that with the little three, three in the back, and it was a disaster. And then you can just go straight back around. No twists exactly. in the back. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. But I think yeah. the bottom line is it looks really sharp when you tie it slightly off to the side there, that 10 o'clock. Uh, Definitely, 10 and 2. 10 and, two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that lines up with the center line right. of your flashes, which should the the center line of your flashes, the left-hand side on the right, on this foot, uh, should be right with your, um, the bone right there on the front. Yeah. Which and it's important to note that you're not a Roman centurion, okay? So you don't need to wrap it all the way up your leg and tie it underneath your knee. It's a great which point. Seen. It's, it's all, it's keep, stay, keep it low to the ankle. It doesn't have to be maybe, you know, maybe two inches up from your arch, you know. It should yeah, be don't go too high with it. And then, like, Steve does six twists in front. In my opinion, and, you know, it's just an opinion, so don't take it too seriously, but in my opinion, six twists, way too many twists. Like, I like to keep my twists to a minimum. That, and that, that's just... Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of far up there. Minimal twists, yeah, definitely. Three is enough. Three is plenty. However, Again, here's... Uh, but I, I, wanna, I don't want to spend all, all class on this. Here's my, here's my... At the end of the day, for me, the golden rule with Gillies is... Do something that looks like you know how to tie your gillies, okay? Uh, yes. And then, you know, that's rule number one. So, so Steve goes for the six twists. Uh, that's totally fine. Like, at least with the six twists, he knows what he's doing. He's, got, he's doing this in the back. And then that's rule number one. Just make sure it looks like you know what you're doing. You shouldn't rule look like you're into s or anything like that, where you got, like, wraps around your leg and the, sort of like the flesh is squeezing out and it's not good. No. Okay, thank you, Vin. That's just <laughs> and we and we've reached a new low. Okay, and then uh, and then we tie the laces uh, off to the side. That's my second rule. And then I like that third rule, which is uh, don't go more than like four inches above the shoe. Yeah, and then if you're in a band, if you're in a band, make sure you're doing what everyone else in the yeah. band is doing. Yeah, and it looks sharp if everybody's doing the same thing. That's cool. Oh, great. I'm zoomed in again here. Okay, ghillie laces, done. If you have any questions, of course, don't hesitate to ask. Okay, how about picking the right size pipe bag? This is a great one. Someone asked about this last week. Uh, I mean, should I just say what the trick is? I would, because one of the things to note is, like, most bags are not all cut the same, right? They're all different measurements, whether you're measuring vertically or what horizontally and you know, you can never you can, you can never rely on small, medium, and large as your go-to sort of template. There, I think it's important to know the measurements you're dealing with. Yeah, um, generally speaking, go with medium. Although, of course, with a sheepskin bag, medium's big, so you need to go with standard, which is different than small. So, the golden rule for picking the right size pipe bag is um, try to find someone with the bag that you're interested in and try their pipes to see how it feels under your arm. That's the, that's the number one workaround to knowing that you're going to buy the right size bag. Yeah. Yeah. And Lynn makes a good point. Like, you know, the, the synthetic cuts, 
or even though the measurements might be the same, the circumference is going to be different because most of those synthetic bags don't have a seam to worry about. And uh, the hide bags always have a, I think most, I think the standard sheepskin is 10 inches, 10 inches from top to bottom ver vertically from the, to the lowest point of the seam, I think. 10 and a half, I think. 10 and a half. And I think that's a good sort of measurement for anybody of average size. And I think it's just, you know, it's good. You, you, if you're five, six and above, up to about maybe, I guess, maybe five, ten, I mean, you know, that small, the ten and a half, ten inches is a good sort of size measurement, I think, because um, it'll give you the right circumference and you won't be too big and it uh, won't be uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Once you get bigger, though, then you need something, you might need something a little larger just to be more comfortable. If you're like six, three, like John, who's seven feet tall, you know, you need something a little larger. I think I've heard John seven, seven, uh, seven, like four. Like I think he's over seven feet. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Um, okay, uh, that's that's the big thing that I would recommend. Um, the the good news is usually the reason that you switch to a different bag is because someone recommended it. So whoever recommended it will often have an example to show you. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, length doesn't matter too much too, which is the other thing. Like a lot of these bags are cut from like sort of the, the neck all the way to the back. You can get like 28 inch bags, 29 inch bags, you know, longer bags, shorter bags, and that doesn't really matter. It's the circumference that you want to worry about. So it's that hard, that vertical measurement yeah. from top to bottom. Some pipers really are more comfortable with a longer bag. Um, yeah. Especially in the synthet when it comes to synthetic stuff. So it's food for thought, but. Uh, yeah, that'll boy, Brian. I'll, I won't go yeah. back to synthetic either. I, uh, it's, it's uh, I don't I mean, like those who are devoted to synthetic, they have their thing that they do. But I've had, I've done lots and lots of piping with both types, and um, I'm just, I'm hooked on, hooked on hide. Yeah, John and John said, yeah, that's the right. John makes another good point there. It's you know, you're, you're tall and skinny. You're not. You're going to need a different kind of bag, whether if you're tall and beefy, you know. So. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn brings up the classic, uh, the classic urban myth, which is that hide bags <laughs> require more maintenance. It is the than alligator in the sewer of Highland piping. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, I don't agree. When I played synthetic bags. I spent more time messing around with that bag. Like I, I probably spent 20 minutes, you know, cause you got to nuke the rocks and then you got to test the tubes and then, you know, your, your hemp is like shrinking and expanding all the time. And then you think it's leaking air and maybe it is, and maybe it's not. And then you have to lube up the zipper and, you know, and then by the time you're done with that, you know, moisture might've gotten into the rocks. So you have to nuke those again. And then uh, every week I have to do another, Thing, and then I have to find a funnel to funnel the rocks into the canister. And, uh, <laughs> you need to blow out the dust after you nuke them too. There's a dust that collects in there, and like a... yeah. Here's what I had to do with my sheep. Like all I do with my sheep is I season it, which takes like approximately five minutes. Then I'm good for like six to eight weeks, and then maybe I do it again. Um, you know, um, and a lot of times just a little bit of moisture can go a long way, and uh, that's. Pretty much it. Totally true. And a well-seasoned bag could withstand not being played every day if it really came to that, I've found. 
If you miss yeah. a day, it doesn't really matter. Oh, no, you're you right about that. Play it, man. I'm just saying, and it comes right back. I um, I, I I'm sorry, Lynn, if I'm giving you a hard time, but I would say, <laughs> I, I I would say this. Um, I would say this. I I find that that is the thing people say uh, because they're scared to switch to hot. Yes. And I was I was in that camp when I switched and I played all these synthetic bags. I was like the same thing. I was like I finally don't have to worry about all that seasoning crap. But it turns out I was completely misled and and incorrect in my in my uh, my wisdom there. It's definitely less maintenance on the high side. Gary is saying, Gary is playing the devil's advocate and saying that's a good argument for hybrids. Now, come on. Hybrids are just synthetic bags with fuzzy outsides. That's it. <laughs> you still need the uh, same contractions on the inside. L&M with a zipper. See, there you go. I mean, you can do, you can do combinations of both, yeah. Um, see, we're, we're getting into this debate. It's getting pretty vicious. Just remember, we're all friends here, and we all like each other. Um, yeah. Uh, Lynn, another thing to think about is when you start off on hide, you're going to get a lot more wet than you will as an experienced player on hide, right? Uh, especially, especially after hanging out at the dojo, you know about ultimate perfect bagpipe maintenance every single time, calibrating drone reads, and just generally being more experienced with the instrument. Um, mm -hmm. You're going to, you know, I think it's worth trying, trying yeah. again. You know, and, and you, you as these individual piper know your own sort of conditions, right? So if you're really wet blower, you need to dry your instrument maybe. You have to open it up and let it air out for a little longer than someone else. You know, simple things. They're not they're not complicated. You're not using other appliances <laughs> to, to take care of your instrument. You know, you're just sort of doing taking steps that, that ensure its longevity and all that stuff. Lynn says, I am an oral fire hose. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, I let me put it this way, which is I'm the wettest blower I've ever met. Me, uh, uh, you know, I remember in SFU, Jack Lee was always astounded at the amount of moisture I could crank out into that bag, and um, I'm still a hide guy. Yeah. So just, uh, anyway, there's ways around it. There's ways to deal with it without using other contraptions and other appliances and other things like that. So just take steps, you know. Jennifer says, for now, she has synthetic. So are you asking about the tying in a hide bag, Jennifer? Looks like she's typing. I think any, any of the synthetic bags with uh, the grommets always come with clamps or some kind of some oh, okay. kind, right? Yeah, synthetic um, bags, it depends on the bag. If they have a rubber grommet, they will often use metal clamps, um, but some of them have different things. Some of them don't need a clamp at all. Um, so you just kind of have to read the directions on that specific type of bag there, Jennifer. Yes. Chris is just joining in. Chris makes it, well, jumping back to the bag size, if you're five, four inches tall, a small bag is definitely the way to go. Medium is just going to be too big, I think. I think that's that's one of your sort of benchmarks there. Unless you grow <laughs> in the next couple of years. Let's see. Yeah, like Chris, what what size do you use now? Oh, using a medium bag. Using a medium bag. What big. what brand of bag? 
Is it like a sheep or like a Ganaway? By the way, we're getting sidetracked. We've got to move on. Five foot four is definitely shorter than average. So a Bannatine, a small Bannatine, probably be the way to go yeah. with that, I think. If you're struggling, that's a good tip-off, right? If you're struggling with bag position, it's probably because it's just too big for you to get a good grip, I think, and get a comfortable yeah. stance. You that's know? true. But the, there, the one thing I would say, though, is, you know, in the first year of playing, it, you know, it's, it's not going to be perfectly comfortable right away either, um, especially w w if you're starting on a, on a Bannatine. Bannatine's a little bit flim, you know, a little bit nimbly-bimbly, a little bit flimsy. Uh, and so it can be tough to get the balance that you need to get. So um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't just go out and buy a small bag right away. If you could find someone with a small, Chris, and try it, that would be the best thing. And if it feels good to you right away, go for it. Uh, yeah. yeah, find somebody with a small bag that's, you know, that's similar and just see how it feels. That's your first tip. <laughs> first thing you probably should do. Just, and then bide your time, you know, when it's ready, when you're ready and you think you need to do it, then you can make the change. But um, keep at it. <laughs> keep working. Ross bags require hose clamps. That's only partially true now. I think that Carl can confirm. I think the grommets don't use them anymore. Uh, just the chanter stock does, right? Correct. Yeah. the the new The new system of Ross does not use any clamps on drones and or the chanter. Just a little of their tape. Um, if yeah. if needed, but it's it's good kind of security nice. there. Uh, and then yeah, there is just one hose clamp over the blow stick. Uh, sorry, the chanter stock. Cool. Yeah. So what's next on the list? Drying pipes after playing basic care. It is definitely one thing that no one teaches you, right? You either have to figure it out on your own through much headache. Or, well, we uh, teach it. Some, We're yeah. talking about drawing pipes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it has to be taught, especially in pipe ants, because mm -hmm. we need everyone to be drying out pipes the same way. Uh, but, yeah, so what's the bottom line? Like, what do you guys do? I can tell you what I do. I, um, I let my pipes air out, um, depending on the season, like, uh, and the conditions in the house. You know, I need to swab sometimes through the drones, but I just let them air out for a while, and then I put them back in the box. Um, that's really all I do. That's all you need to do. Do you swab? I'm not a very, I'm, I'm not a very wet swabber. blower. So are you I'm a, a swabber? swabber? I'm a swabber. Yeah. Carl, are you a swabber? Um, yeah. Generally, no I swab. swab them out sometimes. I'm anti-swab. Yeah. I get a lot of... I'm a dry, very dry blower, actually. I have the opposite problem. So I get a lot of condensation that builds up on the insides of the chambers and just, uh, you know, can't let it sit there. That's danger. Yeah, so um, I am anti-swab. Here's why. It's a complicated reason. Uh, I'm just too lazy. Too lazy, <laughs> don't want to do it. Uh, I, uh, I'm anti-swab. Yeah, here's the deal. Here's the deal with the swabbage is I, I take my pipes apart when I'm done playing. I take everything apart, like every joint. I separate everything, and I leave it out uh, for a few minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. This is normal conditions, like let's say normal after two-hour band practice in like a 70-degree room. I would take everything apart. Um, I often will like if if I'm if I have a drive home, I'll often just leave them apart 
in the back seat with the case open uh, and just let the air get in there and evaporate stuff. Um, for me, swabbing is overkill. You don't really need to do it, and it annoys me, so I don't. Oh, if you saw the insides of my drone tops when I finished playing here in the house, you probably disagree. <laughs> it's like I've got like full droplets of water collecting on in there. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, I still wouldn't swab. But that being said, your pipes are also valued at like three times more than mine. So <laughs> I might, I would change my mind if I had your pipes, perhaps. Yeah, but uh, but it seems to work. I think I mean that I think dry letting your pipes air out is probably the sing, single best tip. Um, that I started, single best thing I started doing for my pipes um, in terms of just quality of maintenance and quality of sound, I think. And just because, you know, if you don't have a routine like that, you know, you, then you're struggling with all kinds of things like conditions and moisture and pipes never settle and, you know, you have those kinds of typical problems that pipers talk about, but the drying and letting them air out consistently each time you play them like that, I think goes a long way to keeping them stable and yeah. manageable. Maybe I'm a freak. Like, Vin, you're talking about this. Lynn is talking about this. Uh, my drones almost never have condensation in the drones. Yeah. What's See, up? I what do you guys? I don't know. What, what's wrong with I you guys? It's... Are you playing? Like, <laughs> if it's too cold, is it too cold where you're playing? No. I don't know. No, I, I actually turn off the air conditioning and I open the windows in the summertime so it, the, the, the temperature in the room gets a little bit warmer than normal. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I'm. I just. It's. It's. It has something to do with the temperature of my breath and the lack of moisture in there. I think that it just sort of pulls in whatever moisture is in the air and just it so settles on all the surfaces. You're saying you have really, really hot I air. I am full of hot air. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's admitted right here. At Twelve thirty-nine. Oh, uh, you're Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a consistent problem, and it's not it's one that I start, you know, it's one you don't, you don't typically think you have to pay attention to, but when I started realizing that I had to pay attention to it all the time, I was like, you know, I have to do something about this, you know. So. I mean, let's not even get started with what you think about drummers. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. Yeah. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. I think the world would be a better place. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, see, maybe maybe I'm... That's right, Gary. Maybe I am cold-hearted. There are many, I'm sure, who would agree with that. So there you go. All right. Anyway, Brian, Brian, Brian plays and puts them away. Maybe should they, you probably should. They should get an airing, even no matter what kind of wet blower you are, dry blower. Just you should let them air out for a little while before you put them away. I think I'm like a, I'm like an animal. Like I'm, I like, I'm just, you know. Sometimes Brian, like sometimes after band practice, I just want to get the heck out of there. But what I do is I just take everything apart. With sometimes if I was really wet at the end, sometimes I've even taken the drone reeds out. Like I'm taking everything apart and I just kind of like carefully set everything in my pipe case, zip it up and go. Carefully set, yeah. yeah I've like, seen that. like things are rattling around in there. Drone reeds are getting knocked all over the place, um, but but they're open and getting air. So you know, especially like if you take like an easy easy drones, which we've been playing a little bit in the band. Um, there's that co composite material, mm. and if you're not careful, they will like become permanently like waterlogged mm -hmm. like that material. So I just leave them out in the air. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, got, it, got, it gets to the point where, you know, I would, um, I had better success, you know, say with the bass reed, for example, playing something that had like a wood body, like the redwood reeds or something similar, or um, only because it absorbed the moisture that was collecting on it all the time. Um, if it was plastic or some sort of artificial material, the condensation builds up there, and then you got to worry about you know blow them out and make sure you're paying attention to how much water's collecting on the tongues and stuff like that. So, but, uh, Brian has discovered. Well, welcome to Doji Universe, uh, where we teach you that you're a bad piper and lazy. Um, <laughs> so there you go, Brian. I'm sorry to hear that we've had that effect on you. Um, no one can be lazier than me, though. See, like I part of my mission. Before I die, I want people to say, Andrew, out of all the things I learned in life, Andrew Douglas taught me that I could be totally lazy and still sound pretty good. <laughs> That's like my M.O. It's like a, it's a mantra there. Don't it, tell you know, Adam. It's, it's, partially, it's partially true, man. It's because if you, if you started, if you pulled or sort of secretly pulled out the information from all the top pipers in the world, you'll see like the laziness scale gets pretty high for some of this stuff and these guys are like you know the top in their game they're like awesome and you know i, I remember seeing uh, angus mccall's he plays those uh, uh moisture crystal stocks i don't know i forget the piper's pile things they're all like round and dried out he doesn't paint the water in them half of them are empty he's got like six channers they're all like right stages of decay you know and uh but the guy's like amazing I mean, he just pulls one out and plays and it's it's fantastic so go figure you know yeah you can pretty much do anything, and it'll still, it'll still work. Absolutely. I prefer to call it efficiency, but if you need to call it laziness, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, let's see. What is the difference between airing something out and putting it in the box? Um, well, I very rarely, like, see, like, my pipe case there right now. Um, that's, that's how my pipes live. Always the case open. I, I, I hardly ever close the case unless I'm traveling somewhere. Um, because I don't want to lock moisture in there accidentally and like, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 again, this is, comes down to like individual um, conditions, right? If you're extremely wet blower, that probably works. If you're not, like me, I, I have to keep them in the case equalizing um, so they don't dry out too fast because that's how you develop cracks and other bad things. So um, that those kinds of changes are too extreme for the wood to handle even blackwood. It's like going to give out. So Ryan thinks people overthink this kind of stuff. You're absolutely 100,000 percent probably true, yes. <laughs> However, I'm not overthinking the drying out stuff, um, especially when it's the, the climax of pipe, grade one pipe band season. You know, you have to keep your pipes from mm -hmm. getting too wet or else uh, you're going to be in trouble. So, so anyway, yeah. there you go. But yeah, Brian, like whatever's have working. Have a routine. Yeah, you got to have a routine. You know, so that's the you, you talked about that in dojo U classes. You have a routine, uh, a process, you know, that you follow religiously, <laughs> a ritual. Take your pipes out, dry them out for a specific amount of time, put them away. Let's do that, and then it becomes habit, and you don't even think about it anymore. There's no overthinking involved. That's right, Russell. Trial and terror. That <laughs> is the way to go. That's it. So, uh, Vin, so you're you're the cradler, man. So show us how to not look dorky and have, or annoy I don't have a set of pipes ready to go here. What are you talking um, about? This is like your big thing. <laughs> uh, they're in a box, resting. I haven't played them yet today. All right, go um, grab your pipes. Go grab your pipes. Carl is going to talk right. about water trap install while you do gotcha. that.
Starcraft install. Um, there's a couple different kinds. If you have a zipper bag, just wants you to can... know the tube trap. Yeah, the tube trap. Um, there's still different kinds. Um, there's tube traps that that attach from the bottom of the stock, and then there's the kind of split stock um, uh, uh, tube trap, which if it's a split stock, you're going to have to install it like any other stock. Um, just, uh, you know, it depends on your bag. You might have to tie it in, or if it's like the Ross system, you're putting it in. There's there's nothing really much different than any other stock install if it's that type. Um, if you're coming in from the bottom, and people have used things like hemp or dental floss uh, to use it because there's a high moisture area. Um, I, I I use hemp because um, other things can get stuck in. I don't know. Hemp, hemp works perfectly fine. So um, yeah, not, I'm not sure that other than uh, other than maybe looking at one of our courses on how to tie on tie on a pipe bag that that would be a um, good thing to do if you have that specific question. But yeah, it's just like any other stock. Uh, and then the tube, uh, you should clean regularly with uh, a little bit of bleach outside of the bag, of course. Um, throw it in a bucket with uh, just a tablespoon or so of bleach and let it sit for a while and rinse it out. That way it keeps it clean and and uh, the mold will trap moisture if there's mold in the inside of your tube. So you just want to keep it clean and clear. Did I miss anything, Andrew? That sounds good. It was John's question. He says from the bottom. Yeah, from the bottom. So yeah, a little hemp, maybe maybe some Teflon tape. Um, yeah, n nothing too uh, too drastic there. Just simple. Plug it in. Um, it might not be that simple if you don't have a zipper bag, though. Yeah, if you don't have yeah. a zipper bag, then we're back to tying on that stock. <laughs> yeah. uh, so John, is that maybe what your question is like? You don't have a way to get in there to attach it. I think John's got a uh, lost bag, or maybe not. Russell's got a Frankenstein. Interesting. Oh, okay. That's an uh, interesting thing. Maybe we'll make a class on it at some point, John, and let the members have access to it. Um, I think the fact that you actually use one is something that no one's really taught or told. You know, it's something you end up figuring out because you see other people using it. Um, that maybe it'll work for you too. You know, like no one ever told. You know, it's it's like until you go you get somewhere where someone says, "No, put a tube trap in your pipes." You never really think, "Oh, well, maybe I should do that and put it in there." But it, it is. A useful thing, no matter what kind of blower you are, to have one in there. Um, I think it just works. You know, catches the condensation um, from your breath. I mean, if you just blow down a clear tube, you'll see instantly it gets moisture mm -hmm. in it. So that's exactly what it's mm -hmm. doing. It's condensing moisture from your breath on the way in. Okay. So All right. here's the here's the drill. So Vin, before you teach us how to cradle, Chris uh, wants to talk more about striking in. Here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to come back to this, and we're going to talk about strike-ins, 
I'm writing this down. We're going to talk about strike-ins. We're going to talk about tempo uh, and psychology of beginning. So we're going to have like a SQL class, but uh, I don't want to just talk about that and only have two minutes. So uh, Chris, we'll come back into that next week for sure. Talk about that a little bit. So I'm um, sorry. We, so this will be the last topic of the day. Uh, oh, yeah, and we can talk about tying in chords, too. Tying in chords. Um, cool. Because Carl is the master at tying in chords. True story. That's a true story. So here we go. Vin, teach us about cradling our... Uh, All right. Let's see if this works. Let me push this back a little bit. If this is working. So... No, I'm not <laughs> Step one, <laughs> you're holding it with the chanter and blow stock against the bass drum. <laughs> not dangling, not flipping around. That's it. The next step, bag and drones. And everything is one unit. Now you look like you're professional. You're not, now, you don't have the bag over your shoulder like this, sitting in mass bands. You don't have the bag, the, the, the pipes like this. You know, we're down by the ground. The channel's not dangling. Vin, what, what about putting the drones over your shoulder? Yeah, you're not behind the back, exactly. You're not behind the, behind the, behind the neck. This is it. If you're at ease in mass bands or standing around, it's like this. If you don't have the room, you can even let the bag dangle. I let the bag dangle frequently. Yeah, that's my, that's the way I cradle. That's my cradle right there. I can't hear anybody because my earphones aren't. Oh yeah, that's so, the way I cradle right there, Vin. Yeah. I let the bag dangle. Let the bag dangle. It's easier that way. Sometimes, especially if you got stuff in there like Ross canisters and two traps and other things like that. It's easier that way. Yeah. So. But I I, I want to call BS. I think I've seen you with the over the shoulder thing hanging out Me? with the Calm Kill Boys. Never. Yeah. Never. No, I. I know I have. I think you're full of it. Uh-uh. I have never done that, and I never will. It's like it's the worst thing ever. It's like it's. It, I can't even imagine. If you polled everybody who ever who's ever done that, you could probably find several people who've broken drones doing that because it's 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 awful. It's just a risk. It's just an accident. Show us down. the um, show us the off to the side again. So here's another way to casually wow. hold your pipes. Yeah. You also yes, casually holding it's just you just your arm goes through the base and tenor space. Blow stick and chanter are together, and they just sort of sit. It's a natural, a natural position. This makes you look dignified. If you're standing around like this, people know that, you're, that you know what you're doing. Absolutely. And then the other thing I would say is that one of the morals of this story is you got to keep all your junk tucked in. Like, exactly. don't be flopping around. That's, it. That's exactly right. Everything's got to be sort of contained and grabbable without, you know, swinging and scraping and banging and stuff. So. Again, just this, and that's it. And now you're ready. Now you're ready for like the beer tent or crowds or wherever you are. You know. Yeah, that is proper beer tent etiquette right there. Yes. What Vin's doing, um, or you could tuck the bag up with it as well. Exactly. But uh, beer tent etiquette, you can't have your pipes off to the side. You can't have them poking around every which way because it's freaking annoying. Oh, it's crazy. It's just, and it's just accidents. You know, yeah. you're just setting yourself you're up. Hitting the head with a drone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how you get chips in your ivory and all that kind of crazy stuff. You know? So there you go. Yeah. Don't ever do anything else. 
That's my tip. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's harsh. That, that's a harsh lesson, but I think we all needed to hear that. Everybody needs, everybody needs that. You need to sort of, that's it. Yeah. You, see a lot, you see a lot more with kids. So like, you know, kids just playing and they get good enough and they're playing in pipe bands and stuff like that. They end up, you know, their pipes are swinging down. Their arms are straight to the ground and they're sort of just standing there and the pipes are, they may be holding them properly, but, you know, the outside tenors scraping the grass and, you know, it's like, you know, take care of your instrument, you know. Yeah. And, you know, part of not taking care of your instrument is not being shown. But now right. the 40 people that were here today have no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. I will expect to see you in the next beer tent with the proper cradling of your instrument. Yeah. Like if I, if I meet Lee McLeod in the beer tent and he's got his pipes, like, <laughs> flying around whacking people, we're going to have problems. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 well, the, the biggest plus to that is that if you if you know how to do it right, you don't have to put them down somewhere, which is always the biggest danger anywhere. You know, whether you're in a crowd or if you're playing a gig or um, somewhere, it's like who, who wants to put their instrument down, their valuable thousands of dollars instrument, somewhere in a corner in a crowded bar or somewhere else. You know, I don't want to do that either. Yeah, I mean, while we're talking about this kind of thing, don't ever forget the golden rule about bagpiping. It's more important than playing correct fingering. It's more important than, you know, anything, exactly. which is never, never put your pipes on the ground or on a chair, ever, 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 never do that. I agree. They're either with you or they're in a box, you yeah. know. It's a, what do they call it, Occam's razor or something? Exactly. If someone if someone can sit on your pipes, they will. Exactly. Is that Murphy's law. Murphy's, Murphy's law. law. That's, that's it. That's Murphy's law. Razor is the simplest solution is often the right one. I should stick to teaching piping. That's what he's saying. All right, guys, that's a perfect stopping point. Thanks for making that a great class and participating. We got these topics left over for next week. And we can't forget about uh, drone cord. Uh, uh, so we will see you guys next week on another riveting high class <laughs> episode of Dojo Universe. Enjoy your day. See it.